America's original and oldest heritage pack company, Duluth Pack, hosts a podcast led by CEO Tom Sega. Real stories with real people who we admire, plus outdoor industry conversations, business discussions, entrepreneurial advice, and more. Now enjoy this week's episode of Leader of the Pack. Hey, everybody, this is Tom Sega with Duluth Pack, and this is the Duluth Pack podcast, Leader of the Pack. Today's special guest is a personal friend of mine. I've known him for many, many years, and he is also my accountant. His name is Jim Hacking. He owns James Hacking and Associates CPA. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. It's been a while, but great to be back live and having a good conversation at an appropriate time. Well, I'll tell you what, we certainly hope that you educate some people today and and, uh, teach some people a little bit about what they can do to prepare for their own personal uh, taxes. But before we do that, Jim, let's go way back and tell us where where are you from? Where did you go to high school? Where did you go to college? And at what point did you realize, I want to be an accountant? Well, that's an interesting question, Tom. I'm actually, uh, the the education background, I'm originally from the Twin Cities. I went to St. Thomas Academy and then the College of St. Thomas. Graduated from there in 1981 with an accounting degree. Cute little anecdote on that is it's now the University of St. Thomas. And when I graduated in 81, the tuition was $3,250, but when you change the name to University of St. Thomas, it's now $50,000 a year to go there, and I'll guarantee you the accounting degree is no better than it was in 1981. So we won't go any further with that, but figure that one out, college versus university, $3,250 versus fifty grand a day, and that's just to go to the school. <laughs> Jim, aren't you glad that your kids and my kids are all done with college? Well, uh, one of them's still working, but we put a cap on it. University of Minnesota Duluth, you can live at home, laundry will be done, and uh, meals will be provided. The day you tell us you're not going to college, hit the bricks, get out and get a job. Of course, you don't hear that very often anymore, but I was brought up old school by my parents. Well, you know what, that sometimes that doesn't hurt the kids at all. You got your accounting degree and then what was your first job? Well, so then I went to work right away, uh, graduated May of 81 and then in June of 81, uh, thanks to the God, he guided me and I ended up getting my first job with a small CPA firm in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota called Mark Cumpson and Company. And I worked there for two and a half years and I literally learned how to do everything from A to Z. And it's interesting that I uh, got that job because actually, truth be known, when I was in college my sophomore year, my dad was an independent business owner and he uh, asked me, what are you going to do for a major? And of course, we all know the pressure, especially today on young kids with the astronomical costs of college to try to figure out what you want to major in. And I had an answer for my dad. I said, I was thinking about dentistry. And he said, that's interesting. How'd you come up with it? I said, well, it's pretty simple, Dad. I got perfect teeth. I still have my wisdom teeth in, and I do to this day. They make great money and work great hours. And at that point, my dad said, I have a very admirable son, one problem. And I said, what's that, Dad? I've never known you to be a straight-A student. What are you going to do with a half-baked science degree if you don't cut the mustard? And I kind of went blah, 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 and I was a little bit of a smart aleck, and I said, well, what would you do? And he says, you know, son, I went to the University of Minnesota, got a general business degree. If I had to do it all over again, I would take accounting. Accounting is the guts of a business. It's what makes the world go round. It's germane to everything. And he said, to be truthful, it's a trade with your brains. You're not using your back and laboring behind a welding machine or running excavators or shoveling dirt. Nothing against any of those things at all, my dad said. But he goes, you either know debits and credits, you neither know how to read balance sheets, financials, and you have some tax background or you don't. So he said, it's a profession. And if you can get your CPA and go the whole nine yards, because a lot of independent business owners that own their company have a CPA behind their name. 
Big time CEOs and CFOs and large companies often have a CPA behind their name. And he said, it's germane, like right down to your family budget even. So for lack of a better plan, I took accounting. That being said, because I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, I always knew I wanted to work for myself, but I never, even my sophomore year, imagined in a million years that I'd be working self-employed as a CPA. But that's the way it worked out. Two and a half years with Mark Cumston, the partnership broke up. They thought they'd ship me off to an account payable clerk position for a trucking company or something like that. And I said, sorry, collected unemployment. And I already had the wheels in motion for H&H Management Advisory Services, Inc. We were officed in the uh, Southgate Office Plaza, 494 and 100 in West Bloomington. And I did that up until from 84 to 88 when I got married and then my wife and I looked at quality of life and we moved to Duluth, Minnesota. And uh, we found a nice little home out on Lakewood Road, 10 acres around us. At that time, hundred grand would uh, be FHA. And we actually found a house up here that by a two or three bedroom rambler in the cities, 30 year old house, East Bloomington, Richfield, South Minneapolis, neighbors on top of you and airplanes overhead. And I said, for that kind of money, I ought to be able to shoot a gun off my deck and run a snowmobile in my backyard, hoot and holler and have dogs barking. And so we just simply moved to Duluth for my quality of life, quality choice. And we've never looked back. This is a phenomenal community, even today, to raise a family, education's top drawer, People are friendly, people are willing to talk to you, and it's a relaxed atmosphere. So beautiful place. And, and shortly after I moved up here, I, I, I got a job with a firm, a J-O-B, lasted six months, April 15th. They said, uh, it's not working out. We are supposed to get a pay raise. And uh, they let me go. So I came home with hat in hand to my wife at the time, Deb. Um, and I said, I lost my job today and much to her utmost respect for her. She had no idea how much it meant to me. And I didn't realize it till many years later, she actually respected me and said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't think it's any better with any other firm. I want to start my own practice. And she said, I'm 110% behind you. Um, what I know you can do it. I know you won't be able to look yourself in the mirror if you don't try. And uh, I knew zero people in this town when I started, Tom. Zero people and built this practice from ground zero, but not without a lot of help, good people like you, um, working hard and a lot of uh, the grace of the Lord, definitely. Jim, you started your business so 38 years ago. What early on were the biggest challenges that you had as number one, you're an entrepreneur, yeah, you're starting your own business. So this isn't purchasing a business that's existing. You're starting at grassroots and this is your first time doing it and then in the accounting field. So take those four things. What were your biggest challenges early on? Um, the biggest challenge coming into a community like Duluth, Minnesota was to uh, get connected. Um, luckily, I have a personality that's not typical of accountants. Most people say, Jim, I can't even believe you're a CPA or an accountant. And that's because I tell them, I said, well, I listened to my dad back in the day as I shared the story about dentistry not working out for me. And so consequently, um, I had to think long and hard about how to get connected. And I had, I had a couple of good fortunes. Um, I did hire a marketing company. They weren't all that more bright than I am, to be honest about marketing, but they had a few good ideas. And I ended up doing some advertising in the newspaper. I had a couple of ads that really reached out to people um, offering a, their biggest help was they said, you got to offer 25% off in order to be able to get people to act on a coupon. 25% is the number. So we created some ads. I did most of the work on the, the jingle or the, the, the lead in to get people's attention. They helped fine tune it, but the 25% off was huge. And I put a coupon in the paper and uh, that worked tremendously. At the same time, KDL radio, I was blessed and lucky. I, Michael Langevin came in, he was the operations director back in the day and I was doing taxes for him. And he looks at me and he says, you know, hacking, 
he says, I'm thinking we, we might like to try you out on the radio. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, have you ever been on the radio? I said, no. And he says, well, you got the personality, he says, and you got the knowledge. He says, I'd like to have you come in and we'll do a little tax call in show. And uh, he says, you can come and share some tax information with people. We'll have people call in and we'll see how it goes. But he said, I'm going to warn you. We did this a couple of years ago with the CPA and it failed miserably. The guy couldn't talk his way out of a paper box. He was boring as all get out. And he rambled on and he talked over everybody's head. But he says, don't be scared. I think you can do it. So the first year we did two or three radio shows. I got back from them. They liked it. I did okay. And then the second year, um, I got a call from Lange and he talked to actually your dad, Gunner. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, Gunner's the operations director. We're happy with uh, hacking. And Lange says, we're so happy with you, Jim. We want to make a regularly scheduled show. And we are going to benchmark the fact we're doing it. So there's a term I go, well, Michael, what's benchmark mean? And he goes, it means we're going to tell our listeners ahead of time, be sure and tune in at Tuesday at 9 a.m. because Jim Hacking, certified public accountant, the tax man is going to be here to answer your questions. Well, that was huge in helping to get my name out there and to grow my business because now I had what I would call two prongs of a three-prong marketing attack that is genius. And Lange was brilliant on this. He says, you're not paying for the show. Back then when KDL was the information station, as you well know, and they were a community service provider. They wanted to have top talent, local programming. Unfortunately, over the years, they've moved away from that. It's a lot of the CAN programming. We don't have the old local talents like Lou Campbell was on with the antique show and Rhonda Grusendorf with the, some of the flowers. I think all that remains now is Jordan is great with Frishing Frenzy and you got um, Bob Olin, the plant dude is still around forever. But uh, other than that, um, but back then it was huge. And so what ended up happening was I was on the radio, I had my ad going, and then I had done some work for customers. So now if somebody saw the ad in the paper, all of a sudden, and it takes two things to get people to move. I found very effectively get people to move. And when they see your ad in the paper, and then they heard me on the radio, they're picking up the phone. Oh, this guy's got it. Geez, I heard him on the radio. He sounded pretty good. Or Tommy, you've always been good to me. You make a referral. Hey, hacking's my account. Oh, you like him? I heard that dude on the radio. He is good. Now you got two things. Or, or maybe it's all three. Well, geez, you use them. Yeah, I clipped out his ad and I heard him on the radio. So they're coming in. So if you can get a two or three leg approach to your marketing program, um, it's just it's just huge. And so it really put me on the map, got me in the community. And, and it was a challenge. It cost some money and it took some time, but it really worked out well. Jim, back when you were on the radio show, what were some, and it was a call-in show, what were some of the questions that you would see as repeating questions over and over that your clientele was most interested in, in their own personal taxes? Wow. Thinking back, um, there was just such a wide array of questions. I mean, people would, a lot of things are like, is something deductible? A um, lot of questions about um, kids with college and what's available for college credits. Um, you know, what's, what, what itemized deductions can I take? A lot of times talking about potential tax brackets for people, what deductions mean to them. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of questions about should I accelerate income or defer income? That's always a year-end planning issue. You know, do I want to bring more income into this year if I can? Or do I want to bring in more expenses this year if I can? Or do I want to wait till next year? A lot of questions about that. A lot of retirement questions, you know, IRAs. Can I do an IRA? What are some of the thresholds? Um, but just a real array of things. I mean, back then you used to be able to take unreimbursed employee expenses. Trump eliminated that with his tax law changes. 
but um, you know what, you know, guys, a lot of guys are truckers or contractors. Can I write off my mileage? Can I write off my Carhartts, work boots, that type of stuff? That of course is all gone for W-2 employees under the current tax code. Um, but just, yeah, a real, real wide array. Most of the questions I could field, one of the reasons the radio was so pleased is because if somebody had a really deep question, um, I'd say, you know what, Tom, that's too much to answer right now on the radio. Give my office a call and we'll follow up with you at no charge. And we actually did that. I mean, people would call in and I'd follow up off the radio because you're going to lose people. You know, it's like it's it's specialized and it's just not germane to the public. And then in the end, they I would never advertise myself, but Carrie Rod or Jordan or Cadigan, they'd go, hey, where can our listeners get a hold of you, Jim? they would ask me and I'd say 727-6887 call. There's no charge for a quick question. We're here to support the community. So our community support reached far beyond. And we even did jointly, I would do an open house every year in February. Kirk Halderson's an investment advisor that offices with us. And we would shut down for two days right in the first week of February and have an open house for people to come, see our offices, ask questions, We'd have free back massages. We take the stress out of the tax season was the theory. We'd have uh, free back massages. We'd have all kinds of hors d'oeuvres, pop, some beer and wine on hand. And uh, we'd bring in an attorney. We'd have an investment advisor and an insurance person here. So people could ask questions and stuff. And KDL was part of that, you know, through the radio. We'd have it on our flyer, you know, as a kind of a sponsor, so to, so to speak, um, and they would put it out on the radio for us for free too back then and say, everybody wants to go, you know, community service, Jim's offering an open house, which went over really well in the town. You know, you were talking about the massages when people would come in and I was waiting for you to, to say that there was a beer or a whiskey there because, you know, when I leave my accountant's office, uh, oh, geez, Jim, that is your office. Uh, <laughs> there's there's several times I've, I've needed a beer or a whiskey, I'll tell you. But but uh, no, Jim treats us very, very well. And, and one of the things that, that I will say is when Jim says, that he will answer questions and there's no charge to it. I call Jim on folks on a regular basis. Jim's been my accountant accountant for oh 30 plus years and I can call Jim anytime and I personally do have not received an invoice, a bill from Jim other than my annual taxes or or business taxes and and whatnot. So he's a straight up guy, straight up shooter and as honest as the day is long. Well, thanks for that, Tom. You know, I really appreciate that and you know, the thing is with that I mean, people are really good. Like if you call and you have a major deal, I'll tell you, like, well, Tom, this is going to take some time to figure out. So people are like, fine, bill me accordingly. I understand. But most of the time, as you all know, we're also good friends. You know, 15-minute conversation, 10 minutes of it is how's life and what's going on. And then there's a five-minute question. Well, you know, I hate to say it. Attorneys are notorious for billing you for every minute. <laughs> and we all kind of chuckle about that one. Uh, I just can't do it. You know, I'm like, it's part of the deal. We're here. To, I would rather answer a question and keep people moving along in the right direction. A minute for the long run. It's not about the money. And I was very blessed just the other night um, after I got done with the board meeting, I had my new tax manager, Brady Evanson, with me. Uh, we uh, went up to the bar and Sandy and Natalie Hoff were there. And, you know, they own F.I. Salter and they're quite involved with real estate and Pier B and everything. And out of nowhere, I, I, I never felt so good. Sandy looked at young Brady, who's my new corporate tax manager, and he literally unprovoked or anything. He said, you know... He says, I've been with Jim for quite a while now, and I can tell you one thing. Jim really cares about his customers, and you just don't find that very often anymore. And he has been with a number of firms, including RSM McGladry, where I recruited Brady from. And he said, I've been through a number of CPAs, and Jim is the one guy I found that, you know, works really hard, but he really cares. And that felt really good. That's what we're about. We're not in it for the money. We're in it to make a difference in people's lives. Jim, and, you know, taxes for most people are a very scary thing. They're something that we feel very inept 
about. We may be experts in our own areas of business or areas of life, but when it comes to taxes, most of us are feel inept and we get quite uh, fearful of, boy, am I going to make a mistake? Am I going to do something wrong? And I can tell you folks, when you deal with a person like Jim Hacking, we're gonna get to some more questions here, but when you deal with somebody like Jim Hacking, you will trust Jim to the point where when you get audited, audited like I have several times and you just turn the power of attorney over to Jim and he calls you back a half an hour later and says, hey, everything's taken care of. In fact, you're getting an extra $128 back this year. Well, and it doesn't always to... work out that way. <laughs> no, but that has happened to me once, folks. Yeah. And Jim called me back and said, you're getting $128, not 29, but I was getting 128 back. And 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 the 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 comfort we have in in dealing with somebody that we trust is is very important, especially when it comes to our income taxes and our our annual taxes. Can I segue you, off that, Tom? I got an important comment to make that flows kind of right into that, and I just want to put this out there for your listeners because as the years have gone by and what I'm seeing, I am. I am a little bit saddened about my profession and there's something very important for consumers of our services to know. And that is when it comes to the tax world and Tom, you're gonna be able to segue in on this when I, when I talk about this, because I remember vividly a situation we had with you years ago uh, and you were just elated. But first of all, there's two distinct parts to tax preparation. One is taking all your information that you give us, whether it's in a garbage sack, hopefully not, people are much better now. We don't really want your receipts, we just want final numbers. Here's my total cash contributions, here's my total non-cash, here's, here's my office expenses if you have a business, here's my total advertising. Less receipts, you keep your receipts. But getting everything onto the return and prepared onto the return is one piece. And no matter who you are, your brain, when you're going through people's stuff and doing data entry, that's what you're doing. And it's very difficult to think about much else. You're, you're doing data entry, I'm taking your W-2 and I'm putting it into my system, okay? And H&R Block does a lot of that. If you're going to a tax preparer where they do your tax return in front of you, that's the level of service you're going to get. You're not necessarily going to get ideas. They're not necessarily going to catch mistakes or be able to rework something or come up with a better plan because you're sitting in front of them. Give me your W-2, give me your 1099 interest, and they're plunking it on your tax return. And they're not thinking about the results, nor did they even have the end result. They're on, the, they're on the 40 yard line and they're moving towards the other goal line on a football field bit by bit, trying to get a touchdown called, I've got all your stuff on the tax return. So that's one piece of it. And sadly in my CPA world, there's way too many of us professionals that are not doing the other piece that's the most critical, particularly if you're going to a professional firm such as a CPA firm, and that is seeing the customer. We see all of our customers. I have an exit interview with everyone who will come in COVID was a little difficult for me. I was kicking and screaming because I'm a little older and technology sort of, you know, ah, I'm ready to retire. I don't need any more technology. But the cool part of it was Zoom. And I have a lot of customers who've retired and they moved to Florida. They moved to Arizona, just like you and I right now, Tom, or just like we're sitting here in the same office. We can see each other. We're talking. I can bring up a two-year comparison and you can be anywhere in the country or the world. I have a customer in China that I had a Zoom appointment with here this last tax season. It's fantastic. The key is I at least see or have a Zoom or a phone conversation with a finished product in front of me. And I know years ago, you and I were going through your return. I engage you into your return. This is your information. I'm taking it. And I'll never forget, 
without divulging numbers, your mortgage interest was up in this particular year and you were getting money back and you were happy. You're like, oh my God, I've never gotten money back. And your mortgage interest was higher than it was a year ago. And then I'm going through and looking and I noticed that, well, what about like, I'll just say, what about U.S. Bank though? You had U.S. Bank out there last year. You, you did, did you get rid of that? And you go, oh my gosh, no. Or yeah, I switched banks and you went and you found another, what, $15,000, $20,000, something wild number, whatever it is of uh, interest. And we put that on your tax return and you were like, Jim, thank you so much. We never would have discovered this. I failed to give it to you, Jim. You literally said, I failed to give it to you. I never would have thought about it if you didn't take the time to sit down and go through this with me. And then you had the sense to ask me about it. So everything was good. And, uh, and that's the important thing. I tell you, people are leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table if they're not sitting down with a professional discussing their taxes with what I call a 95% complete tax return. And folks, I will tell you that is critically, critically important. I know it is for me. I know it is for my family that I have gotten the relationship built with Jim, but Jim makes it a point of his business to build that relationship where we have a Q&A uh, hour, two hours over my personal tax returns. And Jim will ask me on every line item as he goes through it, do you understand this? Do you agree with this? Does this make sense to you? And that's how you unearth these nuggets that are out there that the tax laws say, yes, you can take that or no, you cannot take that. And I asked Jim a lot of questions, folks, where he's like, no, Tom, you cannot do that. I wouldn't know that if I didn't right. go to a, a professional like you, Jim. And it's even reached into, I remember one year too, Tommy, you had a K-1. I didn't prepare the K-1 from a flow through company, had nothing to do with it, but I'm looking at it, scratching my head and I go, hey, don't you guys do this? It had something to do with some domestic production credit or something. And you went, well, yeah. And I go, there's nothing on it. And you had to go back to your people and their accountant and you got a corrected K-1 that saved you money. Just by me yeah. looking at something that was prepared by somebody else, not required of me, not even in the realm of necessarily what I'm doing, but because I was paying attention and kind of looking at it and then thinking about it. And then suddenly I came up with a deduction that wasn't my responsibility or yours, but was the responsibility of another firm for a business you were involved with. And you got a corrected K-1 and you got a bunch of money back. And I think we even amended a year or two as a result. It was missed for a couple of years. You are correct. Folks, we're going to switch gears just a slight bit here. We're not going to talk about my taxes anymore. <laughs> well, they're good examples. Though. It just happened to work out. They're, they're beautiful examples. And that's why I give your name out to everybody I know, Jim. Uh, but what would you say for the general population out there on what do they need to be doing to prepare for their taxes? Well, the big thing this year, and so far um, it's gone really relatively well, is be sure and get your letters. And I believe the government's done a relatively good job of what we've seen so far. Did you get your economic stimulus checks last year? 1,400 per head, that was for husband, wife each, and your kid. And even if you were taking a college kid under age 24 as a dependent, you should have gotten $1,400 ahead. So make sure that you have your letters or you go back and look. And then if you didn't qualify for some reason, uh, make sure you notate that to your accountant so they can look to see if you do qualify on your 2021 return. So those economic stimulus checks were designed to get them in your hands early. It's an actual tax credit that exists on your 2021 tax return. And if you didn't get all the money, you may qualify when they do your 2021 return and you'll get the refund then. If for some reason you got those checks, and then in 2021, your income was too high and you don't qualify, you do not have to pay it back. So it's money from heaven on stimulus checks. 
But there's another one that came out that's caused some consternation for people, and it's called the Early Child Tax Credit Advance. And starting in July, people were beginning to get $300 a month for a kid put into their checking account automatically. Now, this was the craziest thing I've ever seen because they just did it. You actually had to, with some consternation, go online and opt out of this. If you didn't want the money coming in, which we recommended to our customers, do not take the money early. Wait and see when we do your tax return. Nobody ever complains about getting $3,000 extra back as a tax credit that's refundable. But that particular credit, if you got money early and your income for some reason was too high in 2021, you would have to pay it back. So that one wasn't as good of an answer. So far, I haven't had anybody have to pay it back. A lot of people did call and tell them, shut this thing off. I don't want it. But they are sending out letters. And what they're doing is they're splitting it between husband and wife. So when you get your economic stimulus letter, it may say 20, you know, 1400. Um, and then they'll give your kids, they'll split your kids' economic stimulus. 700. So they'll look at 2100 each. That's the economic stimulus. And then they're splitting the child credit between husband and wife. So if the, if the kid, if you got $1,500 in advance, five months of 300 on one kid, you'll get a husband will get a 750 and the wife will get a 750. That means you got 1500 up front. The credit might be $3,000 and you'll get the other 1500 refunded on your tax return. So make sure you have that information all dialed in. Last year, we had a heck of a headache. You wouldn't believe how many people couldn't remember whether they got twelve dollars or $600 stimulus checks. And they were not sending out letters regularly to people. And so we were pulling our hair out. People were saying, I don't think I got it. I can't remember. They're going back to look in their bank account. And they sent it out three different ways, direct deposit, check in the mail, or I actually had a retired couple. They got a couple debit cards in the mail. They thought it was junk and shredded it. Good news is after months of fighting with the IRS, they issued them a couple more debit cards. But they were retired. They had no idea. You would never think the government would send you a visa card for $600. But that's how crazy things were. And obviously, have your W-2s. Oh, yeah. Have your health insurance information. Yep. What other 1099 things? interest. Um, 1099s, just so people understand, W-2s and stuff, everything should basically be out by the end of January. But if you're with Raymond James or Merrill Lynch or Charles Schwab and you got some investments, that stuff is supposed to be out by the middle of February. And then talk to your broker and make sure there's not a corrected statement coming. Corrected statements tend to come out in the first half of March. So they try to push this stuff out. Everybody goes, well, I didn't realize. I thought all 1099s had to be the end of January. Well, a few years back, they realized that there were so many corrected statements that they did push it out for the investment accounts to February 15th. So make sure you have your 1099s. And another thing is I'm hearing from people is if you have an HSA account, like I have one with Optin Bank. I don't get a statement in the mail from them anymore. You have to go online and pull off the report that shows what you contributed. And most importantly, a 1099 essay that shows what you took out for distributions. So you need to put that into your tax return. If people have 529 plans to get the 1099 Qs, sometimes you have to go online to get that. It may not be just directly mailed to you to be aware of that one. And another one that- That's the college investment plan? Yep, that's the college investment. What did we take out of a 529 plan? Because you have to reconcile that and show that you spent that money out of a 529 plan. And another one that um, routinely comes up, um, other than the 1099 Qs, is to be sure and um, 
at, like I said, ask your broker if there's going to be any corrected 1099s coming out. So hopefully you're just doing it once. And after your return is done, then, you know, two weeks later, you got this corrected. And now it's like, do I have to amend my return because they changed something by 25 cents on a corrected 1099? So you want to be sure to be aware of that as well. Um, so the HSA accounts. Um, also, like I said, you got to go on for those. Which are health health savings accounts. That's health savings accounts. Yep. Generally, you got to go online to get those. Oh, and then you got your college kid, 1098T tuition statements. The parents may be paying college. They're not getting that statement directly. You have to have your son or daughter go online to the University of Minnesota or LSC, Lake Superior College, go online and print out that 1098T that indicates what the tuition was and what they got for grants and scholarships. And don't forget to add to that because generally 1098Ts do not include books. So books are part of the equation as to whether you qualify for any education credit such as American Opportunity or Lifetime Learning Credit. Very important. So those are just a few things to be aware of as taxpayers out there. And then really critical planning point is dealing with your college children. If your kid is 18 and older and not in school at any part of the year and they make over like four grand, you can't claim them anymore. In other words, all of 21, my kid wasn't in school, had a decent job, mom and dad can't claim them. The flip side of that is your kid could be making $40,000 a year and in college and under age 24, mom and dad could still technically claim them. If they're a full-time student and under age 24, mom and dad can still claim them. So there's tremendous planning opportunities around college kids. Do not, do not let your kid go off half cocked they worked at McDonald's, made their $6,000 and had 25 bucks of federal withholding and file their own tax return to get their 50, 100 bucks back and screw you up on your taxes. Just say, time out. We need to talk to our accountant. And what's really wild is last year and this year, we may want to cut some kids loose. There's an economic stimulus check sitting out there. And if a kid made enough money and parents aren't really benefiting on their return, it might make sense to cut that kid loose and they're going to pick up a $1,400 stimulus check and it makes no difference to mom and dad on their taxes. So there's just the, the key takeaway is kids in college, you should probably be talking to an advisor who knows taxation and look at the balance between the kid's income, what the tuition is, what the parents have going on and who qualifies for what and which way is the best way to go. Very important, lots of dollars are lost if you're going to H&R Block and just getting your return done and not addressing children and what they're doing and their filing requirements. Hate to say it, but that requires face-to-face -face conversation. And I usually have to rephrase the question two or three times to get the correct answer out of the client. I mean, so they understand what I'm talking about. It's not an easy question to ask because they're like, well, they didn't go to school or, oh, wait, well, no, they graduated from high school. Well, that counts as full time. If your kid at Jettison's out of East at, at, on May 5th or June 1st or whatever, then they didn't go to school. You still can claim them that year. Even if they made 30,000 bucks the second half of the year, you can still claim them. Whether it makes sense or not, you need to have a discussion. Tell us about the continuing education courses that you and your staff have to take every year to keep up on all these tax laws. Well, we have to take 40 hours a year as CPAs. Uh, that's required. And in our firm, it's mostly all in taxation, very different areas. Sometimes we're into state or trusts. Um, individual taxation, corporate taxation. And then, of course, um, CPAs, 
apparently somehow we, there was questions of whether we're ethical or not. Maybe that goes back to the days of Arthur Anderson and company. But every three years, we're required to have eight hours of ethics to make sure that we know what's ethical. So that's good. Um, and, that, and that has to be part of that 120 hours every three years, you have to have eight hours of ethics as a CPA. So we are held to high standards and high rigors to keep up in what we practice in. And that also goes to like people are in auditing and doing financial statements, 40 hours in anything that's public accounting related. But for our practice, because we're a small business consulting and individual and business tax practice, the bulk of ours is in taxation. So we're really on top of taxes. Jim, a lot of people have 401ks. I know you're, you can't give investment advice, Correct. but from, from a tax standpoint, what advice can you give to people on investing in their 401ks on how that can help them from taxation? That's a great question, Tom. And I'm really glad you asked it. And I'm having a lot of, uh, fatherly, if you will, conversations with the 20-somethings that come into us. Uh, and I get on my soapbox a little bit. But first off, just in principle, I would tell every listener out there, minimally, you should try to put 10% of your paycheck away into a 401k plan or 403b plan if you're at the hospital. That should be a principle that everybody has that's not negotiable. The reason for this is because it is so hard to save. And I call it saving to save. You're taking 10% off the top. It comes out of your check. The power is in its out of sight, out of mind. Now, if you can do more, great. But at least do the 10% off the top. Um, because it's just so important. And otherwise, it never gets done. I told you when I moved up here, I was out of work. Uh, the mother of my children had the opportunity to get into the plan at St. Luke's in the first year. And I said, baby, what can you put away? She said 15%. She fell out of her chair. Her eyes rolled around the back of her head. She said, Jim, we're robbing Paul to pay Peter. We're not able to you know, make ends meet. You got very little money coming in. And I said, sweetie, if you don't do it, it'll never get done. I said, we got to take it off the top. Don't go into it. Don't touch it till 59 and a half leave it alone. And then the rest, I call it budgeting 101 made easy. That's off the top. What are you going to do next? You're going to make your house payment. You're going to make your car payment. You want to keep the lights on and you're going to put some food in your belly. When you get down to discretionary dollars and entertainment, you can say, well, we don't have it or we can eat macaroni and cheese and go to the movies or we can get another job, or we can ask the boss for a raise, or I'm going to start a side business. But you're not sitting here paying for everything. And I'll tell you, every time when I was younger, and I see it with people across the board, you feel like you got a cool extra five hundos in your pocket. And the minute you think that, you get a phone call from headquarters saying, honey, the refrigerator broke. And there went that $500. So if you're trying to spend first and save second, it won't happen. As far as what to go in, if you're in the 10 or 12% bracket, tax-wise, you need to know what tax bracket you're in. No-brainer. Absolutely do the Roth component of a 401k or 403b plan. That means you're not taking a tax deduction today and future earnings are tax-free. Everybody likes the sound of tax-free. The Roth is the best thing since sliced bread. I love it. As you move into the 22% bracket, the next bracket, it's a 10% jump. I would still look at at least a 50-50 balance. Maybe you take half of your money and put it into the tax, tax pre-tax, so you're harvesting a deduction for it today, and the other half into after-tax, the Roth. I love diversification of tax buckets. At the end of retirement, wouldn't it be nice to have a bucket that's tax-free? I can pull the money out if and when I want to. There are no required minimum distribution requirements. You can pass it to your kids income tax-free. It's got a lot of bells and whistles for giving up a 10 or 12% deduction today. The pre-tax, you get the deduction today, but it's all taxable when you pull it out 
And if you pull it out early, there's a 10% penalty to boot. Now, COVID waived some of that. We had a lot of strategizing with people pulling out of some IRA money because they wanted to clean up some debt. And due to COVID, you didn't have to pay the 10% penalty, but you still paid federal and state tax, and you're still eroding your saving to save pot for retirement. But sometimes you, your back is against the wall, and you have to make some maneuvers you didn't expect. So... Lots of planning opportunities as it involves these types of vehicles, but the most important is to put away something and whether you know it or not, you're putting away a little each paycheck. If you get paid, you know, 26 checks a month, you get paid every two weeks, whether you get paid twice a month or weekly, you're always putting a little bit in so you're getting true dollar cost averaging. And what that means to people is, Today, the market's at a high. You might say, well, I don't want to jump in now. I'm expecting a crash. Well, if you've got 10, 15, 20, 30 years till retirement, go in now. Yeah, the next time the market went down a little, you're buying in again with another contribution. Every check you're putting in a contribution. So you're constantly buying high and low at little increments. But over the long run, you're going to have a trajectory that you should be able to realize a 10 to 13% return on your money in the long run. So you don't have to watch the market too closely as you're putting in X amount per paycheck. Um, but then that being said, taxpayers that are in their later 50s, you better be looking at that really hard right now and determining what your asset mix is. I'm not an investment advisor, but the market's at an all-time high and we have a lot of stuff going on, not just in our country, but in the world, and we're becoming more and more of a world economy that this market could tank. And if you don't think so, just go back to 2008. I can't tell you how many people in their late 50s and early 60s were across my desk and go, you know, I'm thinking about pulling the plug pretty soon. I got a cool half a million, a cool mill put away. My account's looking good. Boom, boom, boom. And overnight, damn near, the market tanked 40%. And I can tell you, and anybody that's been through it will verify this with you. It took all the way till 2016 before those people, needless to say, lost 40%. They weren't paying attention to their 401k or 403b. They weren't paying attention to the asset mix. They got a pile of money in there because they did the right thing since they were young but 40% disappeared. That combined with needing to pick up the health insurance bill so you can get on Medicare, um, they didn't retire. In 2016, some of these same people came back and said, my account value is now back to where it was in 2008 with me continuing to work and contribute. So their account had not fully market recovered till probably 2018. And then of course, when we had Trump come in the office, I mean, and you know, Obama, Trump transition, the market was at 19,000 in the Dow. Now we're up around 35. And then don't get smug because if you remember a year ago, that market overnight damn near tanked down to 19,000. What nobody saw was an immediate vector back up but it kind of indicates stability isn't real great and you're close to retirement, you need to review your asset mix and how much risk do you wanna take and how much risk you have out there. Really need to emphasize that. Super important for people that are approaching retirement. Jim, great advice. Let's talk, a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs like yourself and, and somebody has a great idea, they have a small, uh, business that's more of a hobby and they want to turn this into an actual business. We have all of these categories we can do. We can be a sole proprietor. We can form an LLC. We can form an S corporation. We can form a C corporation. For somebody small and starting out and starting to build from a tax liability standpoint, Jim, what do you recommend people look at and start with? Because you have you know four options here that I just rattled off that can be very confusing. Absolutely, they're not only very confusing, but they have very different outcomes. Um, for most very small people, if you're testing the waters, you're not necessarily sure if you're all in, 
Um, the LLC is fantastic. First of all, most people start out as what's called a sole proprietor. And you file a Schedule C, which is part of your personal tax return. I like the acronym KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. I don't anticipate payroll. I may not even have to collect sales tax. I'm going to do a little uh, carpentry work on the side. I'm going to do you know, some lawn mowing or whatever it is you're going to do. Um, you, you can file a Schedule C, keep track of your income, your expenses, net profit or loss is part of your personal return through a Schedule C. Now, do I want some corporate liability protection? There's never any substitute for good insurance. So when you start your own business, you always should have a conversation with your insurance man out there to make sure that you have proper coverage for what it is you're doing. And whether you're operating out of your home or you're renting some space somewhere to do something, uh, if you're in the professional world, we have what's called errors and omissions assurance for realtors and CPAs and attorneys. Uh, for doctors, they have what's called malpractice insurance. So there's all kinds of insurances. And then the slip and fall, I got a rental property, somebody slips and falls. The uh, LLC is an easy uh, five question thing you can do online. I don't recommend, I recommend to everybody, if you're gonna incorporate, it's not a bad idea to hire an attorney to help you with it because I'm thinking more in the future, if things change and you wanna bring in another owner or partner, um, to have an attorney on board that has business law experience is a valuable asset. As you start your own business, you need to build your own board of directors, professional slash professional team. It should consist of a good insurance person, you need a good banker that understands small business banking. You want to have a good accountant on board with you. And you want to have a good attorney on board with you. Um, and then maybe even an investment advisor as well as you start to accumulate money and maybe you can put away. So you need a team of people, trusted advisors that can help guide and mentor you as your business grows. But an LLC is very simple. You can do it yourself. And then you have legal liability protection, assuming you don't commingle personal funds with business funds like a lot of small operators do. Again, you file a Schedule C sole proprietor. Um, partnerships are definitely just, I'm going to give you a couple broad brush things. Very broad. Partnerships are great for real estate deals. You want to be taxed as a partnership. You can form an LLC, but if you have two or more members by default, you would file a partnership tax return as an LLC. And so with, for taxes, you file Form 1065. Partnerships give a lot of flexibility in profit and loss sharing and in ownership percentages, you can change things around. And I'll just leave it that they work great for real estate. If you have an ordinary trader business where we're gonna have bottom line profit from our, our work and you know we're either selling widgets or we're manufacturing or we're providing services, generally my entity of choice, if we can pay ourselves and have profit left over would be an S corporation. The S corp works great for an ordinary trader business. And when you're a small business starting up, uh, at first you might have a loss in the first year, single member LLC, we're on a Schedule C. We take a loss for a year or two, we're building it up. All of a sudden we start hitting 30,000 a profit. Now you're starting to hit what might be a reasonable salary. We start talking about, we can always switch an LLC to be taxed as an S Corp later. So the LLC gives you the ability to make an S election later. The advantage of the S election is, and what I would make it immediately for a business starting is if somebody came into me, Tom, Joe comes in and says, Jim, I'm starting this business. After I write off everything I can think of, including the kitchen sink, I'm going to have a hundred grand left over. How do I best take it? I would say, let's go S Corp right out of the box. We're going to set you up. You need to take a reasonable salary. Maybe we dial your salary in at 40 grand. Then we have 60,000 of profit flow through. That 60 grand of profit, which you could take out as shareholder distributions, is taxed at federal and state rates, but not self-employment tax. If we leave the whole 100 grand in the single member LLC, we're gonna pay 15.3% 
self-employment tax on top of that federal and state tax. So there's an opportunity to save some FICA taxes, but you have to have reasonable compensation. And of course you have your corporate veil protection. You can bring in another shareholder, but everything's relegated in a S corp by shareholder percentage. You can't have unequal profit and loss sharing percentages like you can in a partnership. If we're 50-50 and I'm gonna take out a shareholder distribution, Tom, for 10 grand, I gotta give you 10 grand too. In a partnership, I could take out 10 grand and give you nothing and that's okay, depending on how the partnership is set up. So those are some broad brush. C-Corps are kind of a dinosaur really don't have very many C-Corps left anymore. Everything's passed through entity. That's not to say that a C-Corp might not work out well for someone. And also because of the fact that the top rate is 21%, although the Build Back Better bill that was presented by Biden, they were trying to raise that up to 25%. When would you wanna be a C-Corp? If you were a manufacturing company, you were going into say manufacturing would be a great example. We're equipment intensive, we're inventory intensive. We don't need every dime out of the company. We're not taking out every dime. As a matter of fact, we wanna plow money back into the company and be debt free and have a pile of inventory and equipment that's bought and paid for. A C-Corp might work well. Owners can pull out a salary they leave the rest of the money in and they and if the owner brackets are above 21%, which could be a 22% or higher, it might make sense to leave the money in the C-Corp and pay at the corporate level. So a C-Corp pays at the corporate level, but the only way you can get money out is salary. If you take out a dividend like you do in an S-Corp, it's double taxation. Dividends are not deductible to the company and their income to you. For example, a lot of people own Elite, formerly Minnesota Power Stock, and they love those dividend statements. Well, you pay taxes as an individual on the dividend, and that company does not deduct that dividend. Perfect, Jim. Hey, we're going to briefly switch gears here. We're going to go personal on you. This has been amazing information. Our listeners, you just got a education for free here in the last hour. But Jim, a couple quick questions on our packed question segment. This is all about you. Your Uh-oh. favorite activity or hobby outside of work? Uh, I got to say right now in the winter, it's been snowmobiling. We had the opportunity to do some serious deep powder snowmobiling last Saturday. Of course, I'm old, so I'm sitting behind letting everybody else uh, go through the waist deep snow. But it was super fun to watch my son and my future son-in-law on a couple of mountain sleds, literally ripping up Brimson in six feet of snow just unbelievable. I mean, and flying through the snow. I do love snowmobiling a lot. It's great to get out and enjoy the winter activity. And Jim, what is your favorite band? Wow. One of my favorite bands is kind of old time, but still relevant today. And the young kids even are catching on. I would have to say Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And I, when you say band, uh, they are truly that. There's not smoke and mirrors. There's not a whole bunch of flashy stuff and half-naked dancing going on. The boss comes out with Miami Steve, Clarence Clemens' uh, son or whatever on the sax, and they just blow you away for three and a half hours. It's not an hour and a half concert. It's a workout. And it's three and a half hours of old time. I mean, the songs are amazing. And what's really cool is the boss is still relevant today. So definitely, I would have to say Springsteen and the East Street Band, favorite band. I have many others, but that one is one of the top. And I've gotten to see him a number of times in concert. Well, you're a pretty blessed guy. And the last pack question is, what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Um, I think one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received is to always um, be, be true. Be true to yourself. Be true to others, which means be honest and be trustworthy. Um, if you, if you keep your integrity, that's all you have. Um, in reality, you can talk about money and property and houses, 
and everything else, all the material goods in the world. But as you and I well know, Tom, we unfortunately at that age where we've had a chance to be at a funeral or two, and nobody talks about that stuff. They talk about what manner of person were you. And if you're an integrous person, you're kind, you're true to yourself, you're true to others. That's the best advice I got. And you can sleep at night, you know, piddling around and penny ante stuff. Uh, it's just not worth it. You know, be honest, be straightforward, uh, be the type of person that your handshake may mean something, be the type of person that your word means something. Jim, we all thank you so much for being here. Our special guest today has been Jim Hacking, the owner of James Hacking and Associates CPA. He has given us one heck of an education. Jim, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on board, Tom. And if any of your listeners should have a follow-up question, there's no charge for them to give me a call to. I've done a lot of free advice to people. I'm happy to sit down and see what they got going on. If you do your own, I've been able to help some people and tell them, please keep doing your own. You know where I'm at. Come and see me again. And how do they find you? Um, they can call us at 218 727 6887. And quite simply, we're located on the fifth floor of the Selwood building. Western Bank is on our ground floor. We're on the fifth floor of where Western Bank is on Second Avenue West and Superior Street. Fifth floor and a hall. You're there. Jim, thanks so much. And folks, until next time, unplug from the indoors and recharge in the outdoors. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leader of the Pack. Don't forget to rate this podcast. And we would certainly be grateful if you'd give us five stars. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow Duluth Pack on social media at Duluth Pack. And shop online at DuluthPack.com. Don't forget to support American jobs and buy American made.